Hi, my name is Caitlin Quisenberry, and what we're doing is we are making sound. Yes, we are making sound indeed. Hello, Caitlin. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Great to uh, great to see you. Great to connect with you. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Making Sound, episode fifty three. Episode fifty three with our guest Caitlin Quisenberry, and I'm Jan Close. And it's really nice to meet you in uh, in Zoom person. I know it's great to meet you too. Where are <laughs> you right? Where? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said I love this new technology that we get to see each other from different states. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, where are you? Uh, uh, where are you at right now? I am in Nashville. I've been in Nashville for the past year and a half now. Nashville, Tennessee, and we are coming to you from New York City. And I'm in Manhattan right now at a place called Music Makers New York. And I want to announce hereby to our lovely audience of Making Sound that the show is now brought to you by. Music Makers, New York, located at 260 West 36th Street. You can come here and stalk us because you can make music here. Yeah, it's uh, very cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a rehearsal space. It's a production space. Um, it's a, a place to jam. It's a place to hang out. It's a place to make music. It's a, called Music Makers, New York. So I want to thank uh, Bob Elliott and uh, Andy Losner for having me here. And uh, my guest is Caitlin Quisenberry, who I'm going to tell you a little bit about. So, this girl is super interesting. Uh, Caitlin is originally from Colorado, now living in Nashville, Tennessee. Started playing piano at age three. You're going to have to tell us about that. After being discovered on Instagram. I want to know everything how that, how that happened. Because, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's going to be a good story. Uh, she made a four-song EP with Grammy-winning producer Robert Cutarella at age 14. following year, she was on American Idol, where she got the golden ticket. You're going to have to tell us how you got that golden ticket. And is there a silver one? I don't remember all this, but I, didn't use, I used to watch that show a little bit. She then studied voice in Switzerland with Karen okay, McCutcheon. Did I say Kareen. that right? McCutcheon, yes. McCutcheon. Kareen, Kareen. <laughs> Three. And uh, yeah, so in and in 2020, her debut single "Blue" premiered on CMT. That's a nice big exposure. Yeah. And uh, her new songs are produced by Ben Simonetti, from the, who produced the Zac Brown Band as well, and Sal Oliveri, who produced Pink and Chris Stapleton. And you and I know each other through your publicist, Alicia Brown Crass. We do. Yes, my publish my publishing agency is out of New York. So Paul Freundlich. Yes. <laughs> yes. So she wrote to me directly. Like she, she, you know, wrote to us on my, uh, on, through my website. And so she was like, hey, you know, would you like to have these artists on? I said, absolutely. So I checked Perfect. out your music. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Beautiful you. voice. Um, you are, you're like a classic songwriter. It's, it sounds like you listen to, a lot of music that uh, that have, music that has become staples have become staples over the years. A lot of classic artists is what I'm hearing in your music. So you know you have this very interesting background where you kind of get started at a very young age, right? Music is always there. You don't really remember music not being there, right? And then 
you take this online and use a platform like Instagram to get your name out and to be seen and someone actually knocks on your door and says, hey, you know, maybe we should do something here. And then you end up on American Idol and then you kind of take a little pause and then you come back. And what I'm curious about is, you know, this trajectory of yours is, is not uncommon, but it's also kind of rare. It does happen, but if, you know, each of these journeys are different. And so I'm curious about how how you how you experience this kind of this kind of growth in the music industry and sort of because the music industry as I'm sure you know by now is left right left right left right left right and right. then some well, and sometimes yeah. you you know you get to go like full straight ahead and you're just you're yeah. just going right and you're going down and but then you you know you're going up again you're going left you're going right so caitlin tell us a little bit and you're originally from colorado by the way i should mention that and now you're in nashville so tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how you ended up in nashville etc cetera, etc cetera. yes so i don't even know where to begin i guess <laughs> i guess i can begin when i was three and when i first started taking piano lessons um that was kind of my first i don't know I guess, segue into the music industry. Um, so I started out taking piano and I didn't really have the attention span because I was three years old to play all my songs. And so my teacher told me that if you pay attention the entire time and you actually play your music for the last 10 minutes of our lesson, I'll let you sing. And so that was our deal. So I started to sing, you know, like Little Mermaid and all the Disney princess songs. And that was my reward. And then I realized, okay, you know what? I think I like singing a lot more than I like taking piano. And so I switched into voice lessons. And um, my grandfather, he's a Southern Baptist minister. So I grew up wow. going to see him preach. Mm -hmm. And he is, he has a beautiful baritone voice. And he just will break out into song in the middle of his sermons. And so I guess it was just always around me. I never really remember music not being around me. Yeah. And I always had parents that really encouraged me to um, to sing. I was actually kind of a shyer child, and I didn't like to sing in front of people. And they encouraged me to audition for American Idol when I was 15. And it was the first year in American Idol that they had changed the age from 16 to 15. So I was by far the youngest contestant there. I was terrified. Um, and it looks a lot different than it does on TV. You actually have to make it through like six different rounds before you actually get to see the judges on American Idol. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I made it through all these different rounds, singing for executive producers. And um, I ended up getting a golden ticket, which was amazing. And they pushed me to, through to Hollywood. And I made it through a couple rounds in Hollywood and then didn't make it to the show. But um, that was kind of my first time getting to sing and getting to be in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And so that was super exciting. And um, after that, I, I kind of did like a couple things here and there. I was, I did page, I did one pageant and ended up winning. So I was Miss Colorado teen and oh, wow. uh, talent is 50% that's, of your. <laughs> that's not in your bio, but I can see why. It's not in my bio. Yeah. It's a, I don't really think of myself as like a beauty queen or anything like that, but I just competed in one, in one pageant and ended up winning and um, went to Miss America teen and placed as a finalist there. And um, talent is 50% of your overall score. And so that's the whole reason I actually did it is 
for music. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was great. I got to sing at Ellie Calkins Opera House in front of 6,000 people. And that was another really big stepping stone to getting more exposure and getting to sing for a huge crowd. Um, And then I went to Pepperdine University and I minored in vocal performance. And so I was more, it was all classical at Pepperdine. So I was singing German, Italian, Latin opera, not country music like I'm doing now. What's what's some of the German that you sang? What composers? You know, I'm German, right? Yes. So, so one of my favorite songs is Du bist der Rue by Franz Schubert. Schubert, yeah. Yes. Um, so that was like one of my go-tos. I like singing in German the best, I think, out of all of them. I don't know why. <laughs> did you cons- did you have a moment where you thought, you know, I, maybe I'll go into a different direction musically when you were studying voice? Um, well, I had always loved kind of singing like more country songs and things like that. And so sometimes my voice teacher would be nice and we would get to do a different style. Um, I think classical is awesome for like technique and learning that side of things, but it wasn't always my favorite genre to sing. So when I was at Pepperdine, I definitely knew that there was another genre I wanted to eventually go into, but I wanted to have that strong foundation mm-hmm. in classical music first. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's Pepperdine's a church of Christ school. And so it's all sacred. We sing sacred acapella music because there's no instrumentation allowed. So that was also kind of interesting and weird, but great, a great way to like stay on pitch and really learn the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, that kind of ensemble singing really, really is great for your ear. Yes, it was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was in the top choir at Pepperdine, and we got to travel to Prague and Italy for the whole summer. So that part was like my favorite part of of college <laughs> was being in the choir. It was really fun. And, and, and you were still in Colorado at this time. Um, yes, but well, so Pepperdine is in Malibu, California. So I went to college in California. But your family was still in in Colorado. In, Exactly. Where yeah, in Colorado? In right outside of Denver, in Cherry Creek North. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my aunts, uncles, grandparents, everyone was in Colorado. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I graduated from Pepperdine with. So my minor was music, but my major was philosophy. And my, I my plan was to go to law school for entertainment law. And I would still have music in my life, but I would do it in a more practical way that made money is what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, money. Useful. Very yeah. Money. <laughs> yeah, so you have a practical, a practical mind? <laughs> yes, I do. A more practical mind. Sometimes it's hard. I have to switch that off sometimes and mm-hmm. tap into my more creative side. But um, so, so I graduated from Pepperdine also with a certificate from Pepperdine Law School. And that was the plan. I had already gotten into Pepperdine Law. They said, you know, just do well on your LSAT and you will, will accept you because I had a really high GPA. I had like a 3.89 when I graduated. And so that was the plan. I was studying for the LSAT. I was going to take a gap year, though, because I was pretty burnt out <laughs> and I just wanted some time to regroup. And so I moved home to Colorado with my family and I started studying for the LSAT and I started nannying part time to have some money while I did that. And um, it was just super boring. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's ever said that the LSAT is fun. <laughs> but it was not, I was not having fun. I started reading all these books about like what to do um, with your life and how to know what your calling is because I just kind of felt lost. I felt like mm-hmm. maybe law school wasn't what God had in store for me. And um, I just, 
I'd always been in choir and always had music in my life. And when I graduated, all of a sudden it wasn't in my life at all. And so I decided one night to post a video on Instagram of me singing um, a Chris Stapleton song, Millionaire. And at the time, this was really weird for me to do. I would really never post videos of me singing. Like I had a lot of friends in college that were didn't really even know what my voice sounded like unless they came to a choir concert. <laughs> And I posted the video and it got a lot of attention. And this producer in Nashville saw it and he invited me to come out to Nashville. And he said, I really liked this video. I like your voice. I see great potential and I kind of want to make you our breakout artist and really help jumpstart your career. And I didn't really think much of it at first. I showed my parents the DM and it's like, does this sound like a scam? Is this kind of weird? <laughs> and they were like, well, just like get on a phone call and see what it what it sounds like. And I talked to them and they sounded awesome. And they invited me out here to Nashville. And I really had never even heard of Nashville. Like, I mean, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know it was like this huge music, country music hub. Mm -hmm. I just thought of like LA and New York and um, things like that. And so I came out here for the first time a year and a half ago, recorded four songs with this producer. And um, the first one ended up being picked up on CMT and that kind of just changed my life. I kind of, for the first time, saw that I had a potential actually doing music as a career, not just a hobby or just a passion. And that maybe it's one day something I can make money at. <laughs> and it really just, I decided to put law school on hold and pursue my dream. And I, you know, law school will always be there, but my parents really encouraged me. They said, you know, this opportunity mm -hmm. doesn't happen to everyone and it, and it doesn't always last forever. So do it while yeah. you can. I love how down to earth you are. You know, like there's already, you're very, you know, the way you're telling the story is, is, um, it's very real. It, I'm, I love following it. It's, it's, it's great. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Um, so, you know, um, I, it's, it's interesting because when I saw that you had, Amer you were in uh, American Idol, I wrote a, I co-wrote a song uh, for an Idol's South Africa artist. Her name is Pindi Dube. And... Yeah. Uh, so the Idols South Africa, it's called Idols, just Idols there, plural. Yeah. Um, it's a franchise of American Idols, same thing. And when I was at a BMI writers camp in South Africa, we wrote this song, and we didn't know what we were going to do with it. It was called Ready. And uh, I want to—I have a line of questioning that's coming up because I know you also do co-writes. So you know, we're at a writing session. It's a BMI camp. Um, we're in Cape Town. It's beautiful. You know, we're having a great time. They're treating us really well. And we, you know, we we had to we had different uh, uh, co-writers every day, and there were four days of writing and one day off where you where they showed us around town and whatnot. And uh, so I d wrote with a different team every day. And one of the days we wrote the song called "Ready," and it was pitched to uh, this artist who was an Idol's finalist. She was like number four at, on the show. This is maybe like I would say, about maybe like two three years ago. And uh, she ended up because uh, they what they would do is they the the four uh, finalists um, would get record deals and would release a song through a label which in this case was Gallo which is also my label in South Africa and so they had the you know the exclusive on on releasing the music you know so um, they released the song and and uh, it it actually was you know did all right so you know I I it's it's an interesting thing you know to talk to 
to someone that was on the show here in the U.S., you know, and I wrote a song for an artist that was on the show in South Africa. So, so you know, cool. I didn't even know they had a South Africa show. That's yeah, they're, amazing. They're, Idols is is everywhere. You know, it has different names in different territories, but you know, the the, the concept of this right yeah. of that talent show, you know, is is it's, it's worldwide. Um, can I ask you when you when you did the show? what was your what was your experience like you know i have i have several friends that have done it that have been in it you know it there's there's a lot um i mean you 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 must learn a lot about the business at that at that time because you know you kind of get confronted with a very um organized environment and by that is also contractually very organized you know there are certain limitations to what you can do Etc. Etc. So when you're doing it at such a young age, you know you were what 15. 15. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's crazy. And yeah. and um, <clears throat> did it did that sort of influence your thinking about if you wanted it this to be a career or or did that really come later on when you you know when you had a song that came out and and did something because there's you know there's like a few years between you being on Idols and you releasing your music now right so there is the right. what happened in between there and how did your how did your how did that shape you um there was i mean there were a lot of takeaways honestly um i before going on idol had an acting background and so i was kind of used to being in that type of a setting where you know people are saying yes and no to you and you're in a casting call um, so I was happy to have that where I wasn't completely thrown to the wolves. Um, but there were some good things and bad things. Um, I noticed that a lot of it, they wanted you to have a story, like a story that like America could grab onto. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you were like adopted or I don't know, if you had like some huge thing that you overcame, then they really, really liked that. And sometimes they were choosing people because of that. Yep. And so as a 15 year old who luckily hasn't gone through something super traumatic at the time. I didn't really know what to say. I was like, I'm in high school and uh, I don't know. My, my, <laughs> life, my life is good. I'm sorry. What, yeah. what, what do you want from me? <laughs> exactly. Like I felt like I had to have this sad story, which was kind of like something that wow. I wish wasn't the case. Cause I really wish they would have just focused more on the voice. Mm -hmm. And um, the other side of that was, the judges are seeing, you know, how they show like a huge stadium full of people. Well, they're not actually seeing all those people. They're seeing about 30 good people and 30 funny people for TV, like in costumes or someone who's toned up or I don't know, something like that. So it's very, it's very scripted. And I think uh, it was great for me because I realized, you know, like one person's opinion um, shouldn't like dictate your entire career because, you know, two people will be like, I love her. And then one person will be like, not for me. And that's life, right? So, <laughs> um, so it was great to learn that at 15. It was a great lesson to learn to, um, you know, just always take everyone's opinion with a grain of salt. Um, so yeah, good, good things and bad things. And I think I took a break for a little bit just because I didn't like that side of things of like, they just wanted someone with a story. And And um, maybe I questioned myself for a couple of years after that, you know, do I have what it takes? Um, and, and yeah, I think that it was a great experience to have at 15 years old, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, that is, that's kind of the gift, isn't it? You know, that you have this, this, 
moment where you can kind of really get a good look at what what that side of the business is like. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I love how candid you are about it. You know, um, who was who were the uh, who were the judges when you? What season was it? And and who were the? I don't even remember the how season, much, but yeah, how much airtime did you get? Do you remember? Yeah, so uh, they showed my audition, and it was with um, Paula Abdul, um, Simon Cal, and Randy. Yeah, so Jack. the classic. Yeah, yeah. The classic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like when everyone was still watching Idol. I feel like. <laughs> right. Right. So I know um, I know Randy peripherally because my management in New York, big management, uh, worked very closely with him. So you know, I I uh, I never met him, you know, but uh, the, it's 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 crazy. So wh- how did how did yeah? So the it's a small world, as you know, I'm sure by now. So uh, I, now I'm I'm curious, what gave you that you know that spark? Okay, you know what I'm I'm gonna. It, you know, you had the the moment on Instagram, and you know you felt like this is a chance to explore this. But now you're a little bit further along. You know, you're you're releasing more music. Are you are you currently working on an album? Are you working on a an EP? What you just released an EP? I know that. But are you are you working on a record? Like what? How does how? Where do you see yourself going forward? Yeah. So I'm I'm constantly um, the the minute I finish a song, I'm thinking about the next one. And I, when I first came to town, I recorded three songs with Ben and I was like, yay, I'm done. And he's like, no, you're not done. And he's like, the minute you <laughs> off, you have to like be thinking about what's next. Like if you, and if you don't, then, you know, it's, it's all an algorithm with Spotify. If you, I ghosted, like, I didn't, I didn't um, release music for like a year and I lost a lot of my monthly listeners because I just yeah. ghosted them. Yeah. And so you have to plan ahead. You'd be a really good planner if you're a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm constantly like I'm in the studio tomorrow recording another song, and then I'm recording yeah. another song on the night. And right now, I'm actually on a really aggressive plan. I'm releasing a single every three weeks, three to four weeks. Um, so I would love to release an album, but I think right now uh, I've been advised to the kind of like the singles is kind of like the route you get. Um, it's just better so, with like that. So you're you're putting music on Spotify when others are taking it down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the Brady Bunch I heard uh oh. took their music down yesterday. Oh, they did? I'm, Can I'm they joking. do that? I don't even know if they have music. I was joking. <laughs> that was a wabash. Good. I like I like that. Um that was very clever. So yeah, I mean you you're uh um, you know, not to get political or anything, but uh, it's it's. Uh, I'm curious to what you personally, how how you personally see, um, if you don't mind me asking, if you don't mind, if you if you would, how how would how do you go along with this, um, you know, removing music from Spotify to try to get someone else removed from Spotify? Does that make any sense to you? Um, yes, it does. I think there's a lot of like cancel culture going on right now. And, um, even like, you know, Nashville is a very competitive state and I always think there's room for everyone. You know, even if I don't agree with that person, if I don't have the same views as that person, there's room for all of us. There's not just one, you know, there's not just one good country singer. There's not just one amazing podcaster I don't know and I think like having different views is great um Mm -hmm. I mean I was the philosophy major so I'm used to debating with people and having different views and it doesn't 
I don't know. I like the conversation. It doesn't like off put me. If someone's able to have a conversation and willing to listen to other people's views, then that's what I think is awesome. What it's all about. So yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pull my music because that's just not my view. I, I like having different diverse mm-hmm. backgrounds and us yeah. being able to talk about. It. Well, you can decide for yourself. And uh, I think that's the one thing that people underestimate. I think uh, most of us can decide for ourselves, you know, right. and, and we, we tend to forget that, uh, really the majority feels that way, but, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated world, you know, especially with, you know, cancel culture. My God, I just, I'm just so ready for that to cancel itself, but maybe that's beginning to happen. <laughs> maybe that's what uh, this is, you know? Maybe. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it is a crazy world right now. So. It is crazy. I just try and I honestly I really try not to get political at all like I don't post things on my socials because I know that it's so polarizing right now that mm-hmm. I want my music to be a safe place for people to like mm. enjoy themselves and I know that no matter what I say I'm going to piss off like half the people so I just don't go there you know <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah 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 it's uh it's probably a good way to be you know uh, I think especially as time passes it's going to be interesting how we look back on this time in a few years because so yeah. much is going on. Right. And we don't have that. We don't have that hindsight. We don't have that 2020 yet. You know, you can look back at the, at different eras in music now, the sixties and the seventies and, and, and have, have a much better uh, grip on what happened and why people did something, you know, uh, right. but we're, we're not there yet because right now it's, it just kind of, rolls over itself you know so the amount of information that you have to process on a daily basis is is really not it's not doable it's just not you know and so not not even trying is 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 a good way to be that but i don't think that also that that doesn't mean that you don't care you know no i have my opinion you know and i know and i do research and i stay up to date but i just i choose not to make it public (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. But yes. yeah, it is it's true. Like it is like a huge like with everything. I mean NFTs, Web3, Metaverse, like the amount of information and I feel like this time is just a huge you know, we're like pioneers of this new digital world also um that we're like living in. So it's it's crazy. Tell me about your um co-writing experience. Um as someone that does the same thing. You know, I co-write with a lot of people and uh it's it for me it was like it changed my career it changed my uh, view um and does any of this what goes on around you like how to how do you bring your personal views and experiences because you know to me like when i talk to you i hear someone that is really pretty centered you know and and kind of takes a doesn't take an extreme view on either side but someone that says you know, um, there, there is a, there is an objective, you know, here it's, I'm, I, and, and it's me being subjective and saying, this is how I see it, but there is a way to move past this extreme thinking on, if, you know, either on one side or on the other, but somewhere in the middle where you have that conversation, just like we are now, you know, and that type of thinking. And, you know, you have some training in this, in this thinking, you have, edu- you know, you have an education in that and that type of, of, of approach to thinking. And that's, I think that's very healthy. You know, um, 
Are you uh, the type of writer that will take this kind of experience, personal experience, and interject it into your songs? Do you have topics that you don't like to write about? Do you, how, where are you at with all that? And tell, tell us about co-writes, too, and who you're writing with in Nashville, yeah. writer, writer Central. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the main reasons I moved out here is to be able to co-write and have that community around me. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you said that because I really do take kind of like this middle ground. I take personal experiences that have happened to me. And when I write, I know the most important thing is connection so that people feel connected and um, can relate to the song. And so I take these univer these ideas that happen to me and I almost make them a little more universal. So with one of my songs, What If, that I released first um, back in September, um, it was about a relationship I had been in that had left me with a bunch of what ifs. And I was thinking, you know, I was like, oh, what if I didn't have that second glass of wine? And like, mm. what if I didn't stay the night? And like, just, you know, things that you do to yourself um, <laughs> uh, mentally. And, um, and then I started relating it to that idea of, you no, know, like the butterfly effect, you know, what if, and everyone has those what if moments, you know, what if I moved to this city? What if I took this job? And so I really relate that universal feeling of what if and second guessing yourself into my music. So I, I don't know if that makes sense. Or no, that. totally, to totally. You know, that's um, so, you know, that's yeah. something that everybody thinks about, you know. I mean, I think we think about that stuff more now than ever. Look at how many people are leaving their, have left their jobs to for a new yeah. career. Look at that. It's an, like, it's an enormous so, exodus, you know. That's a cultural shift that we, we haven't, that that's we haven't known. Not in our lifetimes, you know. It's It hasn't happened no. like this, you know. So it's, it's, know, um, yeah. no, it's fascinating. Like what, what you're saying makes total sense. And, and that kind of, you know, people, you have to check out that song, by the way, it's called, what if, listen to it, <laughs> stream it, yeah. YouTube, yeah. YouTube, <laughs> Caitlin, Caitlin Quisenberry, Q-U-I-S-E-N-B-E-R-R-Y. We're not finishing. I'm just, I'm just spelling her name just because I can. Um, no, I, I, uh, you know, I, I love that approach. You know, I think that's, I think it's clever. And I think it's real, you know, and you know how they say you write about what you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can't do this on every song, but I really want, you know, I have just as many male listeners as female. And so I don't want it just to be only about girl stuff that guys are like, oh, that's cute, but mm -hmm. can't really do anything with that. And so on most of my songs, I really do try to appeal to both genders and all of all of my fan base, you know, all ages, too. Yeah. Um, as much as you can do that, right? You can't do that on every song, but. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about co-write. So is What If a co-write or is it yours? What If is a co-write. I started out writing it by myself and then I actually took it to my producer. And he, so my producer, Ben, he is the main producer for Zach Brown Band. But before that, he was also one of the main writers for Zach Brown Band. Ben Oh, I think she's cutting you cutting out, but now you're coming oh, back. Broke. Yeah, you're coming Mike, out. Come back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh that's the other side of technology now. <laughs> We're I all know. using it's, the internet at the same it's time. Like raining. It's like a downpour here, so I'm sure Is the it? internet right. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting that rain, but we're, you know, a little bit further north with that huge band that's that's currently over the country. So the Ben yeah. Simonetti, right? The producer? Right. Yeah, Ben Simonetti. So mm. he was actually my first co write I to 
I first moved to Nashville, he took me under his wing and brought in um, an amazing writer. Her name's Robin Collins, I believe, and she's with Warner Chapel. And so that was my first co-write was like these two amazing writers, which I was terrified out of my mind. Um, because before that, when I was living in Colorado, there really wasn't a lot of people you could co-write with. Like, there's just not a culture there for that. And so I was just writing by myself. And um, it was amazing, though, getting to write with them. And I actually am happy that I got thrown to the wolves because I kind of had this bar of like, this is how I should write. And this is the level that I need to try to maintain each time, even if I'm writing with new people, mm-hmm. um, new writers. So it was it was great. So who do you who do you lean on and who do you listen to? Who did you listen to when you were younger? What what was where were, who were your heroes when it comes to songwriters? So, I mean, I love Dolly. I have her songbook <laughs> on my. We were just talking about her. <laughs> were you? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, I've watched, I've listened to podcasts on her and just her whole her entire story and, um, yeah, the way she writes, I absolutely love and. Um, I guess the reason I got into country music was because of the lyrics. I'm a huge lyric person. I fall in love with lyrics over melody of a song. So that's something I really try to always grab inspiration from is if it has a good lyric and always make sure it has a good lyric when I'm writing. Um, but I, I listen to all the oldies. I love Linda Ronstadt, um, Emmylou Harris. So I, I do, I love Stevie Nicks. I love her writing too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that's yeah, I kind of grab from the oldies and then try to make them current. Mm-hmm. So uh, Stevie Nicks, uh, great artist, great performer, very charismatic performer. Um, as far as live performance, you know, we, we've we've all had uh, some issues with that lately. Uh, do you are you getting back into live performing? And if so, um, I'm asking all my guests this at the moment because everybody has a different story on how they're getting back out on the road. You know, if they're touring, if they were touring before, if, et cetera, et cetera. So what is, what's your experience currently like? And are you planning on playing shows this year with the, with the record or are you just releasing music? So, yes, I have a couple. I'm not, I haven't planned a tour yet, but in two weeks, I'll be in Colorado at the Rocky Mountain CMA Awards. And I got nominated for New Artist of the Year. What's the date? Um, it's February 19th, I believe. Check that out, folks. <laughs> yeah, if you're in Colorado, you can come to the show. Um, but hey. it's a huge show. Yeah. And um, I'm up for New Artist of the Year, and I'm actually the only female nominated with about six other guys. And what? so we, yeah. <laughs> I call foul. <laughs> I actually like Good it. for you. <laughs> yeah. So. I love it. Um, wow. Wow. So it'll be fun. We're going to, I get to, I was asked to perform at the show. So I'll be singing one of my songs, Take Only What You Need, that I co-wrote. And it's on New Boots right now um, on Spotify. So so I'll be singing that in two weeks. And then I, I just have like a couple writers rounds that I'm doing here in Nashville in March. Um, and it's funny because I started my career in 2020. So I haven't really known touring as part of my career yet. And so now I'm like, for the first time having to start nagging that, people keep asking, when are you going to, you know, go on tour? And so that's something I need to really jump, get a jump start on right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like performing is, how much performing have you done in the past? Like what, what, what's your, how, how, how often were you playing? Oh, well, no, yeah, 2020. So you started when the pandemic hit, so you weren't able to perform much at all. 
Not much. Uh, small little writers' rounds, um, releasing a lot of music. I actually would go live a lot and just sing and do like mm-hmm. shows or uh, a lot of uh, like the radio stations were going live and doing concerts instead of you ha- coming into the radio station. So I would do that a lot. I would partner in 2020 um, and just do a lot of live shows over Facebook and Instagram. Um, so yeah, I'm just for the first time now navigating what the real world actually looks like. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you enjoy performing live? I do. Yeah, mm. I do. It's um, I mean, I haven't done a lot of it, but it, I'm sure it'll be a lot better than uh, the lives I've done over Instagram and TikTok. Because yeah. it's hard to like tell, you know, you can't, you're, I mean, people are commenting, but you don't get that like live interaction. So Correct. just from like the little shows I've done here around town, it's been great to like actually see people interact with your songs that you write. <laughs> There's only one thing better than music, live music, you know? <laughs> That's uh, exactly. It, it it's is. true. It's I would say, like, I like songs live sometimes better than the actual recording. They yeah. just have more heart. Yeah, you're in the moment. You know, it's different. It's in in the studio. You know, once you once you get some time, you know, and you have you you're starting to record more, and you're recording regularly. You know, then the studio can become more of a live space. But I think, like, when you're starting out, it's very difficult to think of the studio as that. You know, and it's it, but the more you perform, I think the better you get in the studio too. You know, so it's it's just one of those things that they kind of have to balance off of each other. And at the end, you know, at the end of the day, when you think about it, it's what we do is we are musicians. You know, we're not just singers, we're not just songwriters. We are musicians. So performing live is part. It's part of the gig. You know, and yes. and and they're, they're, so yeah. And there's there's a lot no, of go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. You're good. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's very. Uh, th- there's a lot of music now that is is so uh, produced. There's so much music that comes off of tracks, um, and so you know, lesser so the the p- music that is performed by musicians. And that's been around a long time. This isn't. There's nothing new about that. You know, that's been a shift that's been going on for a long time but i i feel like you know that that energy that you get from a a band you know performing around you cannot be replaced you know it just there's just no way uh it's just you know you're hitting things like you're touching something there is contact there is energy there's movement you know that that just can't be replaced by a a recorded product so to speak you know but that has its place as well you know it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about there is enough room for everybody you know we don't need to compete with each other you know right. and we we can embrace what the other is doing while still loving what we're doing you know there's there's so much room for everybody now that for every song that gets taken off spotify there's 60,000 that replaces it on a daily basis. Have they thought about that? No. It's in, it okay. really isn't. Don't get me started. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really, it's really something. Now, I'm saying that, I'm also saying that, you know, when you, all those, those 60,000 songs, you know, I don't know how many of them are good. You know, I don't know how many of them are something that you'll keep around and listen to in 40 or 50 years. So they have that going for them. So, you know, it, there's, a, there's a lot of different sides to this. And, um, but it's never boring, is it? There's always something. If you're a musician, if you're in the arts, you're not going to, you know, 
you kind of crave boredom sometimes. Do you, do, do you go through that? Do you have moments where you go, okay, what did it feel like when I had nothing to do? But then when you don't, you kind of think, damn, why is the phone not ringing? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the hardest part about being a musician is I, I always tell my family this. I'm like, I'm never done. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm never done with like work at 5 p.m. There's always something else I could be doing. Mm-hmm. That's why I actually love to clean my house because <laughs> it's something I can like finish and yes. be done with. And you can have, do you have song ideas when you clean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually, I think I, so I'm an artist too. I like, it's, oh, that's awesome. Here's those those <laughs> are our, our, our cups, although now they're, you know, mirrored, but um, that's okay. We'll, that's we'll get awesome. that worked out. <laughs> run that through the mirror. Andy is sitting over, Andy, my co-producer, Andy Losner, sitting over here just cracking up. I think he's having a good time listening to your, to your stories. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any questions for our guest, Andy? Do, did we miss something? Oh, yeah, you know, you put something on my desk here. What drew you to country music? That's a, that's a good, yeah, I mean, you grew up with it, right? So American country music to me is like, there's two different kinds of American country music now. There's the old school and the new school. And it's very, it's very, they're two, two very different beasts, if you will. Now, but when I listen to your stuff, it's something in between. Because you have a very, you have a, like a very folky approach to writing. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where that comes from, because there, there's more in your, stylistically, you, you know, you're, you're a little bit more adventurous and a little bit more traditional, I think. Yes, it's funny because I, I'll tell you from a personal level, I love like the old school stuff. Um, but like the people who I'm with my team, they are very much so pushing me in the new school because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just easier to break through um, doing more of like a pop country type thing and getting playlisted. And um, I totally agree. And so uh, I was talking to my producer about this and I was like, I really want to do something cooler. Like I love Tyler Childers. I love Chris Stapleton. I like just kind of more raw, like authentic. And they were like, well, how about you make it and do like the, the more pop country thing and get some momentum and then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. and so, okay. You know, it's like, it's so nice. Like when producers or, you know, managers slash agents, when they say, okay, can you just become a star and can you do it now so that, you know, you can do whatever you want. Oh, don't you just love that? But it's like, yeah, if, <laughs> if you if you dial it in like that, you know, I think that's very tricky, you know, because, again, it goes back to writing what you know, writing about what you know, feeling it, you know, but if you can't feel what you're doing artistically, I don't think it's going to work. Do you, would you agree? No. And so I haven't allowed myself to go completely new school. And so that's, it's interesting that you kind of hear a mix of both because I think it's me like trying to like push it back and then pulling it. <laughs> interesting, so it's like though. the happy medium. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how, what you do, you know, and how, what, what your next steps are. Like, I'll be, I'll be following, you know, I'll be, I'll be checking it out. And uh, one of these days, hopefully, if you're in New York, you can come to the studio here, to Music Makers New York in Manhattan, and we can do a live session. I would, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love and, me. Andy's I've been got, a, Andy's to go got back. a question. Okay. Hey, Andy. There he is. Caitlin, I, nice to meet you. Thanks so much for appearing Hi. on the show. Appreciate that. Of and uh, I, I was not aware of who you were, but I have to say just in the uh, you know brief uh, 
road going down to see who you are. I'm a big fan of your music now. And Jan is a world-class singer, and I'm trying, but um, I put you in Jan's category. I think your vocal quality is amazing, and I can hear from even with your interpretation with country music that you did study, um, you know, from an operatic teacher. You do have that, that really, really high quality of note execution. So I think that you have a, a great road in front of you. And I wore this Bob's Country Bunker shirt knowing that you'd be on the show today. I don't know if you know the reference, you're probably not old enough, but that's from the best movie of all time, The Blues Brothers. But that's another story. <laughs> but I did want to ask you a question. In looking at your website a little bit, um, I saw that you have your newsletter on there. And I was really, really not only impressed, but inspired by a lot of the things that I read on there. And I, I took a screenshot of a few of the books that you recommended reading, and they're going to be put onto my reading list now, too. Um, uh, How Champions Think, I think, was one of them. And I really, really am impressed by someone um, of your years being so evolved and so ahead of your time, I guess, with just human development and understanding that, you know, struggling with things of, you know, insecurity and, you know, being an artist and, and not really being sure about, am I good enough? Is my stuff good enough? And am I doing the right thing and all that? And I think that you know, that's something that really can speak to everybody, not just artists. So I found that to be really inspirational. And I, I applaud you for putting out that on your website, because I think that's going to be instrumental in you touching a lot more fans and, and getting through to a lot more people. So it's great. Well, thank you so much for checking that out. I, I started that newsletter a year ago, actually, oh, wow. last week. Oh, my God. And, and, yeah, and, and tell, so us, tell us where that where that newsletter is located. How can people find it? Um, so I put past issues up on my website, but you can sign up for it on my website or, um, I put it in any bio on all my socials too. So you can just sign up for the newsletter and it comes out every Monday morning. I haven't missed a single Monday in the year. <laughs> and, um, and I, it was a way for me to give back to my fans. I felt like I was constantly asking them to listen to this or do this for me. And I wanted some way for me to give back. And so I've been sharing knowledge or advice that I've gained over the years. And so that's what each each week's newsletter is, is some, nice. a different topic. Well, that's not something that really artists do in general, especially young artists. So like, you know, you're extraordinarily unique in that respect that you're doing that. And, you know, your newsletter is something I'm certainly going to follow. And I, I have a long list of reading material now because of all the posts that you put on there. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's great hearing the feedback too, because I just send out the emails sometimes and I'm like, I hope someone reads it. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, there's about 500 people on the email right now. So it's that's growing. good. That's good. That's a good yeah. start. Yeah, it's, that's a it's good slowly start. growing. <laughs> so Andy will be reading those books. I can see he's already like he's on Amazon right now ordering one of them. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caitlin, it's 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 been really nice talking to you. You know, I just want you to I just want to follow up on a couple of other things. And I know that you're you know you're releasing music every few weeks at the moment, and you've got one show coming up. And a performance that's great. Um, are you? Do you have any plans of coming up north and uh, seeing us here in New York? I would love to. I have a lot of friends that live in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so, and my brother actually just got an internship at Goldman Sachs for the summer, so he'll be living in. New well, York well, right well. Yes, I know. <laughs> Smarty. Um, there you go. See. <laughs> he, he, he'll you know be there all the right for, people. Like, 
<laughs> yes, I guess. Um, he'll be there for nine weeks living there. So I would love to like come and maybe stay with him for a little bit over the summer. So I'm sure I'll be in New York soon. Definitely let me know. And if I'm playing a show, we'd love to come have you come up and, and sing with us. Oh, that'd be so fun. I yeah. would love that. That would be yeah. lovely. I can't so, wait to check out your stuff too. <laughs> thank you. Um, so can you can you tell us how people can find you online? Like how do how do we how do we keep in touch with you? What's the best way to do it? I know you have an Instagram. Yes, definitely follow me on Instagram. It's Caitlin Quisenberry Music. And I am starting to hit TikTok super hard finally. Um, so if you can follow me on TikTok, same name, Caitlin Quisenberry Music. Do you, do you like do you like TikTok? Ah, I'm growing I, yeah. to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work because you have to do. Yeah, you have to do a lot of editing. You know, it's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of. It's it's time. You know, people don't don't understand how much time it takes to to. You know, if I have one new thing to announce, I'm sitting there for an hour. If, by the time I'm posted, I've posted everywhere, you know, and and tagged um, everything, and you know, made sure that I've uh, gotten the right kind of. The hashtags, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a lot of work, but it's very worth it. You know, it's very worth it. You can make you it a full time job for sure. It yes. is a full time job, but but That's TikTok. What people do. I mean, it's a great way to build a community, and they do really convert to streams. Mm -hmm. So I'm I've been resisting it for like two years now, and I'm just now just giving in. <laughs> That's it. You're done. What's your? How did they find? What's your TikTok again? It's Caitlin Quisenberry Music. Cool. And it's Caitlin with a not with the two eyes or no, it's C A I T L I N and then Q U I S E N B E R R Y music. Don't you love spelling your name? I do. A lot of people wanted me to change my name. They wanted me to go by my middle name, Caitlin Ray. Like it's easier. It sounds country. I'm like, yeah, but when you Google Caitlin Quisenberry, I'm the only one that pops up. Correct. <laughs> See, that is, yeah, you say you're smart. That's a, that's the way to go. And I, when I saw your name, when your publicist pitched the, pitched you, you know, I thought Quisenberry, what, what is that? Where is she from? You know, like I immediately started thinking, so it made me think, so I think that's a good thing. You know, like it's, it's definitely that's, I would, I would go with that. I would stick with that. And now it's too late anyway, because now you got all your, <laughs> now you got all your yeah. handles and your followers done. You know, something I don't understand this is like when people, it, you know, they, they use so many people do this, right? Like it's kind of it's it's it started with when the Internet came up and like when in the beginning of the Internet, when people all of a sudden could create uh, usernames and they could be anything they wanted. And it's interesting how most people picked a name that wasn't them. Right. Most people pick something else. You know, why do you think that is? Why do people not use their actual name? Other than I privacy think, or whatever, or but you know they're not private, you know. So like I don't. What do you think? I, I, it's maybe like a cool thing. Like I have a girlfriend, and her real name is like Abigail Steinberg or something like that, and she changed it to Lenny Black, like way cooler. So <laughs> I don't know. Lenny Black. It's easier to remember. Easier to remember. Quicker. Uh, yeah, I don't know. When I was in the acting world, they really were like you're going by Caitlin Ray. Like they love yeah. stage names. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's just like a push from managers or I'm not really sure. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, I mean the worst thing is is when you're when you're an artist and you pick different handles for each platform. 
then you're yeah. really screwed because then you have to double post everywhere you know and you can't use the same tags and but you know so you so folks think about that when you're setting up your social media please please make it the same throughout it'll work so much better for you but uh <laughs> it's it's there's always a challenge and there's always something new that we're going to learn so i'm i'm wondering what your vision for this new year that we're in 2022 what is your vision for this year where do you think what do you what what do you think you're going to be doing like halfway through and three quarters through i hope that i am i'm my main focus is to build a really strong fan base right now mm -hmm. so i'm going to be posting three tiktoks a day and like really sticking to that and releasing music consecutively so that when people do find me then they have a bunch of music that they can go to and it's not just one song but you know, they have a lot to choose from. Um, and I hope that I gain traction that way. And I would love to start building my team out more, finding a manager, finding an agent and um, going from there. Mm -hmm. Classic. And then uh, when are you going to write songs? What? When are you going to write the songs that make the world go round? When? Because, <laughs> you know, you have well, to do that. I, I, we, we need more publishing material. <laughs> yes. I know. I, I, I try to write like every week um, with the people I really like. And so I just gain a lot of inspiration from TV shows or quotes. Um, and then I get together with my favorite writers and we write something cool. And I mean, I, I write about half my music and I'm pitched the other half. So I'm about 50-50 right now. Mm -hmm. Is the writing scene kind of like up? Are, are things kind of where they were before with in Nashville? Like are people really getting together and writing, writing, writing? Uh, yeah, and Nashville is very open. Um, yeah. Like, I haven't seen a mask here in a year. Wow. Yeah, it's very open. It's very yeah. different because I was just mm -hmm. in California and it's a different yeah. story. So, yeah, yeah. Nashville is pretty yeah. open compared. It's different state to state. And mm -hmm. uh, on that note... <laughs> On that note, we're gonna we're gonna say good we're gonna say goodbye and thank you very much for being on Making Sound with Jan Close. Thank you everybody. It was uh, really fun. It was an interesting, different conversation. You know, every every week is different. Last week we had uh, a thrash metal bassist mm. on, and wow. a very famous one, Frank Bello from Anthrax. You know, oh, and wow. this week we have you. You know, who has a very different story, and it's uh, it's really you know that's what I love about doing the show. You know, I I learn a lot from the from the people that come on. And who do we have? My God, who do we have next? Uh, well, actually, next week we're off next week, mm -hmm. but then the week after, uh, who do we have on? Let me let me check because I want to announce this. We do have oh we have Kasem Kasem Sultan. Kasem Sultan is on your songwriter with uh, and a musician with Todd Rundgren. Does that ring a bell for you? No, no, it no. Not. Oh, you should you should I check them out. <laughs> There's a little, yeah, yeah. You, you'll you'll check that out. That's uh, cool. And I I am looking forward to keeping tabs on you and what you're doing next. And uh, folks, thank you very much for tuning in with us. And thank you to Music Makers New York, Andy Losner and Bob Elliott. Thanks for having me here. Um, our new uh, brought to you by Music Makers. It feels good to say that. Uh, I'm Jan Close, and uh, thank you, Caitlin Quisenberry, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. So welcome. See you next time, everybody.